Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Okay, so we are recording on a Tuesday, which usually actually always falls after a Monday, but usually falls <laughs> after a Monday where the Supreme Court has made announcements and we're usually pretty good for the week. Unfortunately, this week, like, you know, the last three or four weeks, the Supreme Court's going to make announcements not only on Monday, but on Wednesday. So we're recording right in the middle of Supreme Court announcements. We don't know what's going to be announced tomorrow. Could be the decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which is the big blockbuster gonna, you know, completely decimate Roe in the text of the law decision. Um, And this episode is going to air on Friday and people are going to be listening to it afterwards. So if you're listening to us right now, just know that we're as confused as you are. And this is an episode (laughs) all about living in the liminal spaces of confusion, chaos, and still being able to move some progress work forward. I don't know if you have this feeling, but I definitely am in a place where I have to focus on the things that I can actually have impact on. I have to really focus on what I can do to move the issues that I care about forward, to support the people that I deeply love, and to make sure that people get access to basic reproductive health care, including abortion. And the Supreme Court's not helping that. The Ohio legislature never helps that. Ohio politics certainly never in the history of ever have helped that. Um, so yeah, we, we are here for us, right? Uh, yeah. How do you feel, Kelly? How, how are you feeling in the midst of the chaos? <laughs> uh, you know... Um, I, the idea that the Supreme Court decision could be announced tomorrow makes a pit in my stomach, um, and makes me very anxious if I'm being completely honest. Um, you know, I go to therapy every week and every week that I go to therapy, I usually go on Thursdays, um, but it it varies and uh with the supreme court leak i just happened to go to therapy right before the supreme court leak so i keep trying to mentally prepare myself for like having to survive the week without being able to like have that that space to just i mean i have people that i could talk to about about how I'm feeling about that moment, but it's just not, it's not the same as paying someone to listen to you. Um, anyway, uh, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty. Um, but I mean, I'm here and I, I know that like, you know, part of this is like really anxious waiting for the day to happen, waiting for what the exact words are going to be, how exactly things are going to be trashed. Um, and part of it is like, I know that it's going to be terrible no matter what happens, you know, like the fact that this is even being questioned at all is, is saying a lot. Um, and so I, I know that I'm going to just be, keep doing what I'm doing, you know? Um, so 
I mean, that's not that's not very clear nor uh, great in my <laughs> in my descriptions of how I'm feeling right now. But it's it's an accurate description of how messy my head is. Yeah, and I I for me I I rank this Supreme Court mess like right up there with in in terms of personal anxiety. Obviously, like. Everybody has a different barometer, but for me, it's like right up there with getting my taxes back from my my tax person. Like, as a clergy person, I have incredibly uh, ridiculous taxes to, you know, lots of paperwork to explain to the federal government that I don't make any money, right? And mm-hmm. I, I have given myself the gift of just, like, handing those off to other people, and they come back, and they're like, hey, you saved enough, and you're going to get some back, or hey, there are some problems, can you write a check for... So, like, it's just a painful mm-hmm. experience, I know it's going to be a painful experience. Going to the dentist to figure out, like, you know, do you have any cavities right now? Like, the best thing my dentist can do is come back and be like, yeah, your teeth are as ugly as they've always been. Like, yeah, congratulations. Like, you've got the same problems, you you know, decalcification and all that stuff. It's it's like, you already know that the news is not going to be something you want to have to deal with, right? But it's coming, and it's going to deeply impact everybody you know, and it's already impacting everybody you know, and... I, on a regular basis, just want to, like, hide under a rock, but I know that that's not, first off, healthy for me, (laughs) and second Mm -hmm. off, it's not healthy for anybody that I'm trying to to work for or with or to empower. And so Mm -hmm. I I feel like in many ways, particularly in our work with Faith Choice Ohio and, you know, our faithfully pro-choice work here in the Buckeye State, we have been plowing ahead with the nitty-gritty work of educating, advocating, and really preparing people for the long-term struggle ahead, right? I mean, we are doing regular uh, information training sessions about self-managed abortion in good faith, how to share information about self-managed abortion. It's going to be really, really important. It's already important. Um, You've been doing a tremendous amount of work around restorative and transformative justice. Just held a training last week. Um, We're working through training education sessions on values clarification with Catholics for Choice, a fantastic group uh, nationally based out of D.C., but they're active in our state. Um, And moral messaging and religion and repro trainings, just helping people understand the landscape. All that training... And that training gets people ready to actually take action for abortion patients. So we've been working for several months to get the launch ready, but really we've been working for about two years on Ohio's first faith-based abortion fund. And we have officially launched the Jubilee Fund, a practical support fund for abortion patients administered through local religious congregations and we've been doing all of this work and all of this labor amid chaos primarily Mm -hmm. because our whole work our whole life is in chaos and it's going to be in chaos for a long while so like Mm -hmm. part of our discussion today is going to be how do you continue to move forward despite the maelstrom the horrendous storm of anti-abortion 
anti-reproductive freedom chaos that's happening around us right now? How do we continue to move forward, right? Because this last six months feels like, I don't know, six years, right? Do you, do you get yeah. that sense too? Like it just, it feels like it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely felt like it's been um, a really long, long year and we're only, you know, like halfway there. Um, and I think like thinking about that question, like how do we deal with the uncertainty in this? Um, I deal with it in the same way that I deal the un- deal with the uncertainty that is with everything else. Um, so... Uh, I have anxiety. I am medicated for my depression. I have, uh, you know, a lot of mental health issues, uh, clinically. (laughs) And, uh, so when I, when I think about like, how am I dealing with this? I, I think about like how I deal with my anxiety around relationships with other people or how I deal with, um, you know, just uncertainty and fear of being, harmed or fear of trauma given my past experiences it's um you know it's it i i understand why i have anxiety and so therefore uh i i understand how i have anxiety around personal issues and i have understand why i have anxiety around the national landscape it makes sense that we are anxious and we feel uncertain because literally things are uncertain and nothing is um predictable but uh you know a lot of that is i i go to therapy and i kind of i, <laughs> I want to share like a, a couple lessons from my therapist um this is uh just the just like a little bit of of how i deal with you know the uncertainty of what is going to happen i think one of the like one of the big lessons that um I'm working to learn right now is around, you know, I think I, like many people, uh, try to protect myself from things that may or may not happen. You know, I try to do things to be prepared for the worst possible outcome. Um, and I often, you know, also try to protect myself from, uh, getting too excited about things that are uncertain because, uh, for some reason, there's this belief that I've been grown or I've grown up with that, you know, if I don't let myself get excited about a thing that could ha- go right, um, that I won't be let down when it goes wrong. And um, with that, I've really learned that, you know, uh, regardless of if I let myself get my hopes up, um, you know, I am still going to be let down if things go wrong. And so why not allow myself the mere morsel <laughs> of joy um, in, in getting my hopes up about something that could go right or in this case could, you know, hopefully maybe the tiniest sliver of hope that things could not be the absolute worst. Um, and I'm going to hold on to that. You know, it may seem naive or misguided to hold on to the possible hope that things could go well in in some tiny way um but i am choosing in this moment and as i try to choose in in other moments with personal interactions to hold on to that 
little morsel of joy because I'm going to be let down regardless of if I let myself get my hopes up. So uh, I guess one one thing is that I try to find um, the possible silver lining that could be around. I try to uh, hold on to the good things and and whatever amount of hope is there um, and keep to that. And so that's that's one of the lessons from my therapist, and I'll I'll share some more. But uh, Terry, I would love to hear a little bit about what you you're doing. So you just mentioning like lessons from from therapy. We could do like an entire blog series on lessons from therapy, right? <laughs> um, yeah. The two things that come to mind one one is um, a lesson from therapy, and the other is a lesson from church leadership. Um, I had an amazing church leadership professor when I was in seminary. Her name was the Reverend Judith Craig, and she was a bishop in the United Methodist Church. Blows my mind that when she was consecrated a bishop in 1984, she was the third modern female bishop in the world. Like, global at that point, you know, not not counting the pre-modern, you know, female bishops way back before, like, you know, the Council of Chalcedon. And, but uh, Judith Craig used to say, you have to get your power calibrated because you are not as powerful as you think you are and you're not as lacking in power as you think you are. Judith Craig was all about, like, you do not have the power to control all things around you. And yet, we live like we do sometimes. We live as if, you know, like you were sharing, Kelly, like, if I don't get my hopes up, then I can't be hurt by this. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have the power to prevent ourselves from hurting just because we, we have decided not to hope, right? We also don't have the power by our behavior to control other people's choices and behaviors. So the idea that, like, I don't have control over a lot of things... And I don't have control over how some people are going to behave. I don't have control over how some people are going to treat me, how some people are going to behave towards me, what kinds of things people are going to say about me or think about me. I don't have any control over that. I don't have control over what the Supreme Court's going to do. I don't have control, certainly, over what Mike DeWine is going to do. Mm-hmm. Almost said a not fit for radio word there. But, you know, <laughs> by, by blessings, I've avoided that. But, like... So many things I don't have control over, but the things I do have control over, like speaking my mind clearly and concisely, speaking the truth in love, being honest about my feelings, being direct about what I'm willing to accept and not willing to accept, setting healthy boundaries, taking care of myself, drinking plenty of water, exercising, being, you know, quick to apologize for the things that I know that I have done that are wrong. Like, all of those things I have control over. And those are the things so often that I don't want to take up. I don't want to be in control of. So the power calibration piece for me, I I think, is a big thing to continue to remember. Like, there are things I can't control and I need to not worry about them. There are things I can control and I need to attend to them. The second piece to that, and this is a therapy piece, right? My therapist, very similar to yours, um, occasionally gives advice, but my therapist is extraordinarily direct because, like, I need that in my life. I need somebody who'll, like, smack me over the head. 
And she looked at me, this has been several years ago, looked at me and said, why do you do the world's job for the world? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, you're talking riddles. And she's like, the world has a job and it is to tear you down. Why are you tearing yourself down? Why do you tear yourself down when you know that the world's going to do that for you? Why don't you just build Mm -hmm. yourself up and let the world take care of what the world's job is? Because it's the world's job to try to dash your hopes and crush your dreams and to fight against you. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be doing that to yourself. And Mm -hmm. I sat there for like, you know, 25 minutes that I'm paying this woman to argue with me (laughs) and tried to explain to this woman why like my way was much better. And if I just crap on myself now, then I'm going to be ready for everything out there. And she's like, no, no, you are wrong. Wrong. W R O N G. You are wrong. And I remember going away from that session as, as I often do with my therapist thinking, I, this is ridiculous. I can't believe she'd say something like that. That's just crazy. You know? Like, all of the stigmatizing talk, right? Stigmatizing myself, stigmatizing others, ableist language, right? All the things that I'm, I'm working to overcome. And it goes about a day, two days, and you realize, wow, she's really smart. Like, there's a reason we pay these people <laughs> to tell us these things and to talk this through. Because yeah. at the end of the day, no, it is not my job to tear me down. And in fact, nobody should be tearing me down. Because I'm a good person and a caring person and a compassionate person and I don't deserve to be torn down and neither does anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. That for me, when we think about like losing control in the chaos, the thing that I keep coming back to time and time and time again in this chaos is knowing that none of us deserve this timeline. None of us deserve... Mm -hmm this situation the world as it is right now nobody deserves because it's not serving anybody perfectly well it's not serving people in positions of power and authority it's certainly not serving people who aren't in positions of power and authority it's certainly not serving those who are coming in future generations and it's definitely not serving those who are aged in our our society and our systems like Everybody is getting failed by the system. Nobody deserves the system. And nobody deserves the anger and and kind of the vitriol and the violence that's coming out of this system onto bodies everywhere. You come out of a therapy session, there are no balloons. There there is not like a banner, congratulations, mission accomplished, right? Like, no. In the chaos, just getting by is often its own reward and it has to be. Mm-hmm. And I think like uh, sometimes that the lack of fanfare around it, the lack of like clear, clear wins that come in like this time can be really hard. And to, to go off of uh, something that you were saying earlier, uh, something that I've been thinking about a lot is that like, um, so I I have a, a tattoo on my uh, leg uh, that says, I exist as I am, that is enough. Um, and I, I have that to kind of remind myself to be to be happy with myself in, in the way that I am. Uh, but I've recently been meditating on this thought of um, 
not only is my existence as it is enough, but uh, there's this thing that's like now my Facebook banner. Um, and it says, all I can do is all I can do. And that is enough. And like, you know, the like I only have control over so many things and the the way that I react to things and the way that I um, am able to put work into the movement and I cannot do any more than what I can do. Like what is currently my capacity is okay. You know, the fact that I'm continuing to move on is, is okay. And I think, um, another thing that I wanted to share as well as another, another, uh, lesson that I've, I've gotten from therapy is kind of thinking about like how liberating it can be to know that like I only have control over what I have control over you know like I cannot myself affect like change on the supreme court level I cannot personally um make the you know make things be better and make uh row be legal like by myself I can't do that but what I can do is I can, you know, express things in the way that I can express things and I can do what I can do. Going back to that, all I can do is all I can do and that is enough. But what is liberating about that is that, like, the, the shortcomings of other people are not on me. Like, if, if somebody else does, does something that is not living up to the expectations that I necessarily hold for the work that they're supposed to be doing. It is not on me to hold that, that um, like any, any shame or anything around that. That is not my job. Um, when, when I was talking to my therapist about this, we were talking about like the, the risk of being in friendships with people. And, and uh, I, again, talking about like trying to shield myself from um, harm. Uh, I will, you know, think to myself when when trying to have interactions with other people like oh I don't want to say certain things or I'm like afraid to reach out to them because I don't want them to think I'm too clingy or I don't want them to think I'm like this or that or whatever and my therapist is like when you say that what you're really saying is that you think that that person would do those kinds of things that that person sees people who reach out as clingy or that person would you know tease you or make fun of you or whatever <laughs> I hold a lot of like trauma from high school but that's a whole different conversation anyway <laughs> um and and what she told me was like you know if if you choose to believe what people tell you if you choose to believe that when a person tells you that you know um they are your friend or that they care about you or whatever if you choose to believe that and they are lying to you or they're not living up to what that means in your relationship, that is not on you. It, it, you, it is not your fault that you, that, uh, you believe them. It is their fault for, for lying and for not, for not living up to their end of things. And I think that that's somewhat liberating because, you know, I can only do so much. And, um, as I'm in this, as we're all in this time of like, thinking about what is going to happen and like, what does this mean for me and my friends and my family or whatever? Um, like I can only do my part and it is not helpful to me or anyone else for me to hold 
the labor or the stress or the worry about what other people are doing. And that is not to say, you know, uh, there's this quote that I currently can't remember who said it, but it's, uh, they, it's like when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. And I don't remember who said that. If I remember who said it, then I'll put it in the show notes. Um, but, uh, you know, like when, when a person like Mike DeWine or, uh, any of these legislators that, you know, may, may claim to care about the lives of, of children in the state of Ohio and yet like do not provide the kind of services and needs that children in the state of Ohio need, um, and instead create restrictive abortion laws like what that is actually telling me in in the relationship that I have with them they're not lying to me they're well they may be lying to me when they say that they care about children but they have also told me in this other sense that they don't care about children so like in that case like I can see all this evidence and say like these people are lying to me I will not vote for them these are not the people that I trust to be in office they have betrayed that trust. That is not on me for being, I, I don't believe that I voted for people who, who have gone against my abortion rights, but may have, but it is not on me for being fooled. It is on them for lying. And, um, I think that that's kind of liberating in myself. And, um, something that I'm struggling is this, like being in this place of vulnerability and trying to like build up a shell that protects me but remembering that that shell can also keep me from having life-giving relationships and trying to figure out where I need to protect myself and where I can, I can be vulnerable with people. Um, and that's hard, especially now when so many legislators and so many people have betrayed trust. Um, but I am choosing in this moment to not put the weight of that on me. At some point, we have to acknowledge uh -huh. that the forces that are coming against abortion rights and against the basic dignity of reproducing people to make decisions over their own bodies, those forces are going to do what those forces have always done. They have been 100% consistent in the fact that they are not aligned for the futures of reproducing people. They are not aligned for the futures of people who are in this struggle. And we have to admit that they are not aligned, and we have to admit that we will continue to do the work that we do, regardless of whether these people in power relent or not. And that means the future mm -hmm. is going to continue to be chaotic. The future is going to continue to be, you know, I hate to say it, but it's going to be as confusing as it is right now, maybe even a little more. So we have to stop mm -hmm. waiting for the perfect time. Mm -hmm. There will never be a perfect time to rest. We have to make time to rest. We have to make time to improve ourselves. We have to make time to do the internal soul work in the midst of the storm around because we're more than the work that we do that's the great lie that capitalism has has worked into all of our bodies it is the great lie that every abortion comes against 
every time somebody has an abortion, they say, I am more than what I can produce. I am more than what can be forced out of me in production. Mm-hmm. Right? That is the whole of the work that we do and that we hold. That we can choose to do something other than what is expected of us. And that is holy and that is good mm-hmm. and that is righteous. And in fact, it's necessary for growth. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I know this podcast was messy. And so, uh, I mean, I hope that y'all are taking care of yourselves. Um, and so uh, we will be back uh, next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.